Welcome to the Brain and Body Things Podcast. I'm your host, Natasha Mehta. I'm a physical medicine and rehabilitation doctor, a medical doctor who specializes in optimizing quality of life despite pain or injury to the body. I treat conditions that require a combination of medicine, therapeutic exercise, and lifestyle modification. Through this lens, I've expanded my knowledge of health and wellness and I'm looking to share everything I've learned with you. This podcast and my website focus on the goal of helping you understand the brain and body in the simplest of terms. In my conversations with healthcare experts, we seek to provide actionable tips and tricks to enhance your lifestyle and optimize your life. Today's guest is Dr. Neil Mesnick. He is a board certified physical medicine and rehabilitation physician who practices in New York City. He's an attending physician at New York Presbyterian Medical Center and is on faculty at Weill Cornell Medical College, where he is an assistant clinical professor in rehabilitation medicine. He specializes in musculoskeletal injuries, including the neck, back, shoulder, knee, ankle, basically all areas in your body that can cause pain. He believes in treating the patient as a whole in order for them to return to full function. He will treat patients with medications or injections in order to alleviate acute pain, but he works very hard with physical therapists and other fitness professionals to make sure that his patients do not suffer from this pain chronically. In this episode, he will share how he personally discovered the power of strength training, specifically powerlifting. A couple of resources that he mentions in the episode are linked in the show notes. One of them is Starting Strength by Mark Ripito and The Barbell Prescription, Strength Training for Life After 40. As a general rule in powerlifting to be considered strong, you should be able to overhead press your body weight, bench press 1.5 times your body weight, squat 2 times your body weight, and deadlift 2.5 times your body weight. According to Dr. Mesnick, for most people, he cuts those numbers in half and sets initial goals at squat your body weight and overhead press half your body weight at about three to six months. In his clinic, he will focus on the mobility of the hips and ankles, as well as the shoulders to make sure that his patients are primed to be able to undergo a program like this. In this episode, we'll go through different types of programming, triumphs of his patients, as well as pivots that he's had to make for people who aren't necessarily interested in a powerlifting program. So take a listen. I hope you enjoy. All right. So hi, Dr. Neil Mesnick. Thanks for coming on the Braid and Body Things podcast. Thank you for having me. So I'm going to give the audience a little bit of a disclaimer. I mean, this is the first time we've chatted. Um, I've heard you speak at one of our um, national conferences. And so I, I so appreciate you coming on here and chatting with me a little bit more about this topic. But the audience might hear us getting to know each other. Sounds okay. Um, all right. So please share a little bit about yourself, uh, your practice, and your passions. So... I did residency here in Manhattan back when it was uh, Cornell, and then, then it was the combined Cornell-Columbia program. And at the time, I got to work with Dr. Willibald Nagler, who was very big into trigger point injections and was always kind of finding that, that people did better when they had the injection and then went for physical therapy. And that's sort of the way when I opened my own practice a few years out of residency that I sort of worked with multidisciplinary. So I wanted to have physical therapy in-house because of that. And I also kind of work with chiropractic. The practice sort of changed over, over years. The demographic, especially after COVID, changed when all the Google people down the block then started working from home. And by default, it was more Medicare. And I'd see the same 
patients that I've known for 15 years that were always very active were, were less active. They were not going to the gym, and as a result, they were having difficulty with just day-to-day -day tasks of climbing stairs and getting out of chairs, and they were getting more pain. And sort of the, the, the spine-hip syndrome, is it coming from your spine or is it coming from the hip? And there were a lot of trigger points that would kind of look like spine issues. So in my practice, I then started doing more strength training and I, I put in a uh, squat rack where I, I can really show people and see what they, what they can do on there and, and that their form is okay. And I'm just going to kind of digress a little bit here because personally, you know, three days before my 50th birthday, I just couldn't walk. My whole leg was, was weak and I, I couldn't move and there was a large intraforaminal disc and I had to go for surgery. Mm -hmm. And after surgery, they said, no squats and deadlifts. And I, I was fine with that. I'd always gone to the gym before, uh, but I was more than happy not to do squats or deadlifts. I never had pain in my life before until mm -hmm. after surgery and things got weak. And, and, and I know as a physician that this is not my spine anymore. It's not the disc. It was over the glute muscle by my back pocket. And I just said, if I could strengthen it, and when I started looking at the research, it all said the same thing. Not only as you get older, and by older I mean over 50, not only as you get older should you lift heavier weights more often, but you should lift progressively heavier weights. And we're not talking about many times, it's just a couple of sets of even five repetitions. And over time, you have to learn to... to to make the, the, the body move correctly. You have to know how to squat, you have to know how to hinge. And these are all easily taught through the kind of the power lifting when I was looking at it. It's, it's just a sport. Power lifting involves squats, involves a bench press, and involves a deadlift. Functionally I feel that the overhead press is, is better than a, a bench press, so I'll, I'll try to work that with, with my patients. But if you don't have mobility in your shoulder, it's a little difficult. So I try to work on mobility of the shoulder, the thoracic spine. And is that, sorry to interrupt, is that mostly just because of the act of wanting to be able to put something overhead yeah, for as long as possible? Yes. It's, uh, to me, I'll, and I'll say like a squat is, is getting up off a chair or even a toilet seat. A deadlift is picking up a package or a grandchild from the floor. And the overhead press sort of mimics putting a box in a cabinet or a suitcase in an overhead bin. And it's, mm -hmm. they're all compound movements, meaning multiple muscles are crossing multiple joints. Yeah. Yeah. And so powerlifting, is that some, you, something you started doing in your 50s or, yes. or something yes. you dabbled in before? No, it was always weightlifting. And this is like, and, and I tell people, like, people don't know what they don't know. And people mm -hmm. go in the gym and lift weights. And I don't know why I walked in the gym and did four sets of 10. I just did it. That's what you, you did in the 80s and, and, it, and it worked well and you could build a chest, but there was no real goal. And that's where there's, there's exercise and there's training. And I try to tell people not to confuse exercise with strength training. Exercise is movement and it's great and, and we should recommend it. But strength training is, is a specific form of an exercise where we're trying to get our central nervous system to produce a force. Powerlifting is a sport. A coach teaches you a sport. Mm -hmm. And I'm not saying that trainers don't know that, but not all trainers are, are power lifters. Yeah. Some trainers can be can coach the sport, 
but just because you walked into the gym and the next trainer that was going to see the the latest client maybe is not comfortable teaching a 55 year old how to deadlift properly and fortunately now there are a lot more powerlifting gyms and I was looking when I was doing the, the, the presentations that if you looked at a PubMed search in 2002 there were a little over 600 articles last year in 2022 there were 6400 articles and they're all basically saying the same thing as you get older lift heavier weights fewer times and as a resource I started there was a book called Starting Strength by Mark Ripito and that was sort of mm -hmm. written in the late 90s maybe and 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 this guy from Texas what he was saying all along is do three sets of five and all the all the studies sort of back him up now and we've had actually from an offshoot of, of Mark Ripito you, you have uh, the Barbell Medicine um, book by John, uh, sorry, John Sullivan, who wrote it on the, the barbell prescription for those over 40 that want to start lifting. And he wrote it along with a uh, coach and trainer that you have programming. And that's what I mm -hmm. think is the hardest thing people have to learn is, is programming. How many repetitions do you do? How many sets? How long can I keep doing this? How many months do I do it for before I start working on something else? Um, so there, there are some good resources and I started looking around saying, gee, I wonder if there's a starting strength gym by me. And there wasn't. But the next thing you could then look up is, is there a powerlifting gym or a strength training gym? And, and here in New York City, uh, rents are very high, so we're not going to see a lot of that. But in Brooklyn, there, there are many gyms where the, the old, old warehouses are from. So then, mm -hmm. then you can go and, and I found... Uh, great coaches, which if I can give a plug to uh, Alex Hall and Jesse Rosari at JDI, but also yeah. and there are there are there are like-minded um, physical therapists. Uh, ironically, two blocks from my office, and and they mm -hmm. work with with older people. And and the thing is not to treat old people like old people. Just maybe I'll start not with seventy-five pounds, but with forty-five pounds, mm -hmm. and we have to see where their their mobility can go. But anybody can can kind of work in on this. So I have. Several questions from just what you just said, but um, the first one I'll start with is the concept of doing compound movements instead of doing like an isolated movement. So for example, doing a bicep curl <laughs> to hit just your bicep, right? Versus maybe doing like a row or a pull down um, to get your back bicep, a couple, a couple of muscles involved. And you noted functional reasons for why that is, but do you ever get patients who say like, whether it's out of fear or out of misunderstanding, like, oh, I, I don't, I don't want to do compound movements. I feel like I'm safer doing isolated movements. And how, how do you kind of navigate that conversation? So and I'll, I, I think of Charlie uh, when I think of this and I'm, I'm sore, I'm not doing this today. But it, they never say like, I don't, I won't do a compound movement over, over a bicep curl. They say, I don't want to do this, this today. But, but they get it. it. It all clicks on them, and, and they understand why they should do that. And I'm not going to tell anybody, like, don't do, do a, a certain movement. Um, but you have to prioritize. Why am I doing this movement with this weight for this many repetitions? And there are traits you're trying to exploit. You're, you're trying to get stronger. You're trying to get bigger. You're trying to work on endurance, or you're trying to work on power, which is strength with speed, which would be excellent to work on doing two squats in three seconds with a lighter weight. 
But if you're working on strength for that block, whether your block is one month, six weeks, you want to keep adding a little bit more weight. You want to prioritize the intensity on the bar. If you're looking to get that muscle stronger, uh, that stronger muscle bigger rather, you want to focus more on volume. Maybe I'll add an, a few extra reps or I'll try to move up in, in sets. So for a block, and I might string together two or three blocks, each block being a month, and try to make that muscle slightly stronger. And then the next block, I'll try to take that stronger muscle and make it a little bit bigger. So it's sort of this, this kind of flywheel going, going around and around, month after month, year after year, and the gains really get slow. And where I find people have a problem is that they take this and they, they, they do get the idea. And I'll tell 100 people, maybe two will actually go in the gym and implement it. But almost worse than that is they go in and they take these, and I'm just going to keep doing squats and adding weight to the bar every week. That works really well for the first 10, 12, if you're lucky, maybe 16 weeks, but you're going to plateau. We can't, can't keep adding 5 pounds to the barbell every week. Otherwise, you'll be squatting 300 pounds w within a year, and that's not going to work for people. That's where I find they, they, they have issues, so they start coming back with, with more aches and pains in there. And sometimes mm -hmm. I can't even start with the compound movement. Somebody will come in with, with uh, hip pain and I try to do a squat. And there's no problem with the squat, but when I try to put a barbell on their back, it just doesn't, their, their shoulders are so tight. So now either we have to use a different barbell like the safety squat bar where the handle's in front of you or what's called the, the duffalo bar where it's curved. Or it's kind of veer off for, for two or three weeks and stretch their shoulders and have them slowly work with just a barbell to get that mobility. Um, but I'm going to say that in my workouts, when I, when I design them, and this is where somebody that's giving you a program, whether it be your trainer or coach or whether you got it online, you're basically going, I'm, I'm biased in certain movements and exercises that, that I prefer. I mean, it, it's same with a, a cook. When you, when you cook a meal, and maybe I cook with less salt than you do, but you're going to have to add salt to my food. And it's the same with, with the program. If I'm going to write you a program, it's going to look very similar to, to somebody else's that I wrote for them, but I'm just going to change some of the variables, whether it's the weight or the repetitions on there. But I'll always start with a compound movement. So the starting strength method is squat, then a press, then a deadlift. And let me say at this point that a deadlift is not an exercise that you should be doing too often. It's more of a test of strength. But you can get strong by doing Romanian deadlifts, or there, there are substitutions in there. But you want to get the compound movements out right when you walk into the gym, and then you can move on to two or three accessory movements, which, as a, as a general rule, I'll tell most people that any muscle that you can't see in the mirror is what you should focus on. It's the posterior chain. It's your glute, your hamstring. It's your scapular retractors. Yeah. Yeah, I like that. Any muscle you can't see in the mirror, those are important too. Just circling back to what you said about how you cycle. So you basically cycle through like hypertrophy and strength and sort of alternate those programs. Is that what you're saying? To get that progression? Correct. My issue comes in that, well... How long does it take to it to make an adaptation? If if I were to go to a Pilates class and I hadn't done it before, I'll be sore. But within two, three weeks, I'm I'm more adapted to it. But is that adaptation long term? And and that's where I, I still don't know. So you know, I can't say I could do something for three weeks and it's a permanent adaptation, 
but I like to drag it out a little bit longer, six or eight weeks. But after a while, it's kind of law of diminishing returns. It's more of an asymptotic curve that the more you're working on it, you're not getting as, as many gains as, as you used to. So I like to switch things out. Pilates for six weeks, and then there's, there's orange therapy, and there's, there's barbell classes. And just mix it up every once in a while. So I'm going to, if, if, if there's a meet coming up, we have to peak. So I'm going to go from doing five repetitions down to four in the following week three and really heavy twos and ones before that meet. But I, I remember back in December I was on a hypertrophy cycle and it was just fatiguing doing 12 or 15 repetitions set after set and I couldn't wait to get under a really heavy bar mm -hmm. and just be able to do two or three repetitions. Mm -hmm. And then I was doing that, and right before the meet, I just kept thinking how nice it would be just to have a lighter weight and be able to do that 12 <laughs> I mean, Your body will tell you. You wanted to go back. Yes. Let me go back and say on there, like, so when somebody's in the gym and they're working on it, they should know, you know, when I say what your goals are, I'm not saying, like, oh, I want to lose weight or I want to uh, do, what are you working on on this block? I'm working on strength. Therefore, let's prioritize moving up in weight. And I was reading one article, and it's always like, hey, if you could ask, uh, if you, when you were younger or starting out, if you could ask your older self. And one guy said, the two things I would get are a notebook and a stopwatch. And it really helps on that because maybe you're thinking, uh, on this goal, I want to max out. I want to get 275 pounds for, for five repetitions. But if you look at in your logbook, you could see that, that eight months ago, you, you, you did that. 280 pounds for four repetitions, which is essentially the same thing. So your new goal on this block should be maybe to get 285 pounds for three repetitions, or five repetitions rather. Where had you not been tracking and training, you would have just not made a gain on there. So that that's key. That's my question. Thank you. Thank you. That took me right to my next question, which was when you made a comment about weight that's too much, that kind of takes people over that threshold where they maybe are going to have discomfort or pain. I assume that threshold is different for every skeleton and every body. Um, but how do you guide people through that? My son was writing his college essay, uh, and, and he said uh, when he was training with, with his martial arts as, as, a, as a, I guess he was in grade school at the time, that the coach said, you need to learn the difference between pain and discomfort. And that's what I'm saying. Pain, discomfort is not pain. It's, it's uncomfortable. But pain is something that makes you wince, makes you want to drop the bar. Discomfort is you're kind of pushing through it. You can work through discomfort. Just because something's uncomfortable doesn't mean you shouldn't do it. Mm -hmm. Something's painful, we want to back off from that. And the other thing I tell people is that just because you did something and it bothered, it doesn't mean you shouldn't do it. You did it four times and four to four times it bothered. I'm, I'm going to say hold, hold this hold off on this for a little while. That's why warming up is very important. You have to get blood flowing in the muscle, the tendon, the ligaments. You have to get uh, the synovial fluid in the joints. A warm-up will look like a bar, just a plain bar for five repetitions. Mm -hmm. Then I'll go up by maybe 30% or 10% 10, 10 of if I was doing 300 pounds on a squat, I'll do a 30-pound increase. I'll do that for five. Then I'll move up another 30 pounds and do that for three. I have blood in my muscle, my tendon, my ligaments are all good. Now what I want to do is start getting the central nervous system ready to lift the heavier weight. So that's where I just start putting, again, the 30 pounds on there and just one repetition. I don't know why people are doing three or four sets of 
of 10 repetitions. You've done 40 repetitions before you've got to your working set. It's, it's not needed. So as, as long as you so as long as you start with the proper warm up, you could find out that yeah, you know my knee is feeling a little, it's bothering me a little bit. Maybe I shouldn't really push myself so much today. So before you get under the bar, you already know if there's a problem. So you should not have pain on there. Right, right. That's a great. That's some great insight and ways to approach your warm up that is more active instead of passive as you prep for your workout. So we all get older, unfortunately, but that is kind of the reality. And so you mentioned already progressive resistance training, strength training, your preference is powerlifting and barbell workouts. Have you worked with anybody who just wasn't into that? And if so, how do you navigate like, they, yeah, they're coming to you like, Dr. Mesnick, I want to get stronger. I, I totally hear you. This is what my body needs as I get older, but I need to do something different. That's my wife. That's all my friends. Everybody that's, <laughs> I give them the protein, they give it back to me. But yeah, whatever you'll do is what you'll do. I, I will give you the black and white of where I think you should be, and I'll just plant a seed in your head. It might, makes it much easier now that there are barbell clubs, and that's what I'm trying to, like, create in a hospital where there's accountability. There's three or four other people that are going week after week and you're on this journey together would, would, would make it easier. But a barbell is really unforgiving. If, if one shoulder is tighter than the other or one side's weaker, it just doesn't move as well. Dumbbells are also very good, but it's a little bit easier to, to get away with, with less form on there. I, I personally have a problem with the dumbbells because there's a lot of central nervous system fatigue or effect that I have to control it with. The barbell I find is much easier to move up there. Also, if somebody knows how to move with a barbell, you can use any machine correctly in the gym and it doesn't necessarily work the, the other way around. Mm-hmm. So I'll always kind of say what I think is the gold standard and then, then we'll back off on it. Not everybody can put a barbell across their back. So what else do we do? There's goblet squats. And, and that's why somebody also went to school for four years uh, to, to get a physical therapy doctor is to tell you how to move and to come up with these. And that's why there are coaches around and that's why there are physical therapists and trainers so between a few different people, and I like people to start with physical therapy, while they're on the physical therapy, I like them to start getting into a movement class or work with a trainer or a coach. And when they're comfortable with the coach, then we can stop the physical therapy. It'll take you about four to six weeks to just figure out how to move. There are two classes I recommend locally. One of them works one coach with four people, and they meet twice a week for 12 weeks, that's 24 sessions. The other one meets three days a week for eight sessions. The key point is there, again, it's 24 sessions. This Mm -hmm. is not something that you just do two or three times. Mm -hmm. And it it is sort of, sometimes people get intimidated by it, but I find that these these powerlifting gyms are actually, they're quite nice, the people there are very, congenial and it's it's a community community yeah everybody in a yeah. powerlifting gym is yeah they're stronger than you and they all know it and they have nothing to prove they're not looking to, they go in there they do what they need to do and they leave and it's, it's nice to see that kind of atmosphere mm-hmm. so i i would recommend those i think coaches know really what what they're doing and i know with with look, i compete i coach but, but i also have a coach and when i when i talk to him i, I tell him about how i'm interested in working with older people and he started finding that. He said there was a woman that came in and she needed hip replacement. Mm-hmm. And by the time they were done, 
her muscles were strong and she didn't need hip replacement. She didn't feel that there was any of the pain and they were ready to replace her hips. More recently, there was a, an 80-year-old woman that started working with him and where he's sort of working more on the business end of things now and he's not coaching as much, he, he finds it interesting to work with the 80-year-old. That's something interesting to him and anybody can teach a, a, a 28-year-old how to squat and deadlift, but not everybody can do it with an 80-year-old. Mm -hmm. so, so there are people that are interested in this. So you had a practice before you were 50 and had this life-changing event of a disc herniation and went down the strength journey. And then now your practice sounds like it's, it's very much evolved because of this experience. So can you compare and contrast your patient outcomes before 50 for you and, and after right. like what, how much of an impact are you seeing this make for people you work with? So there was one patient I remember, he, I, I do open water swimming and I go into the East River and you swim across and, and he ran those race, those, those water races and he was in good shape and a competitive athlete and he came in one day and he was in his 50s, late 50s, I think he, he was recently semi-retired or retired and he couldn't even squat down. He was coming with knee and ankle pain and just, I look at somebody comes in with ankle pain, I'm going to look all the way up in the kinetic chain, start with the hip and work my way down. He couldn't even squat to get his hip below his knee. I told him that this was, he was in bad shape and I said he has to get, get stronger and I wasn't so diplomatic when I spoke to him. And needless to say, that was in October, I didn't see him again. Uh, months later, I think back in, in, in April, six months later, he came in with his son he said he, you know, he didn't like what I said to him or how I said it to him, but but he took the message and he was working with with a trainer. He'd lost weight, he's stronger. He was off all his diabetic medications and other medications as well. So, I I think that that as long as you get it, but there's a lot of information. You can't give six weeks worth of information in, in, in a 45 minute session. Yeah, you just basically have to point them in the right direction. And the problem we're having is that there's not a lot of good resources. I would love to have a strength training center in the gym, but uh, or or in the in the hospital as well. But there's you, you can't take a a 32 year old healthy individual and and give them a red rubber band and think this is going to make them strong. Mm -hmm. It will help for the first couple of weeks, and it's great if you don't have that mind muscle connection. You know you're supposed to be feeling your glutes. But you're not, so we, we give you that band around your knees and do the clamshell exercises, and, and yeah, we create this this motor, this neuromuscular pathway, mm -hmm. and you, you could start working on that. Mm -hmm. um, but even learning a hinging motion, a lot of people will bow and not hinge correctly, and it sounds like semantics, but it makes a big difference. Oh, and injury and risk, too. I mean, you see those people at the gym leaning over to pick up a bar and just... I feel like I can picture their discs squeezing <laughs> as they, yeah. as they bow down. I, I, was, I was deadlifting in the gym and my back was bothering me. I know I'm doing it wrong, but I couldn't figure it out. And, and after you go to the gym for a while, you find out who are the other power lifters and you go at their, their time. And they all say, oh, you look fine. I said, it doesn't matter how I look. It, my back, I feel it in my back. I'm not doing it correctly. Mm -hmm. And one of the younger guys there, he kept giving me the cue open your hips. And I was thinking to myself, what, what does he mean to open your hips? And he, he couldn't, or I couldn't understand what he was trying to convey and he didn't have a, a different cue for me because mm -hmm. uh, he uses that that thought in his head. So I spent $150 for the arrow with the coach and the first thing he said is basically turn your knees out. Do you feel your glutes engaged? Mm -hmm. Yes. Mm -hmm. and, and that's all it, all it took. 
Mm-hmm. So there, there are different people. So I, you know, people get confused. I don't want to see a different therapist every time, or I don't want to work with a different coach. But sometimes it's beneficial. I mean, you yeah. shouldn't work with a different coach or therapist every time you show up. But somebody's going to have a different cue for you that 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 resonates with you. That's so a, that's an interesting. Different- that's an interesting thought. I'm going to click on that real quick. So this idea that okay, if I am having discomfort with this movement, maybe it's not the movement. Maybe I shouldn't be throwing the movement away, but finding a better way to do that movement or maybe finding the right person to help me uh, coach the form. Squats and deadlifts, I will go on there making things black and white and say, Mm -hmm. are good for your back and posterior chain. Unless you don't do it perfectly, and then it can be very, very bad for your back. And do you think that's why it gets a bad rep? Yes. You didn't hurt yourself doing a deadlift. You hurt yourself attempting to do a deadlift. Maybe mm-hmm. your back was rounded. Just because you think it was a deadlift. I mean, were you, was your core engaged? Were you pulling the barbell back into your legs so your lats were engaged? Do you know what the target muscles you were supposed to be working are? Mm-hmm. Do you know where your shoulder should be over the bar or the knee at, at what, what point in, in, the, in the movement? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. It, it takes weeks to, to learn how to move it correctly. So is there an age where it's just too late or, you know, a situation, uh, a functional situation where it's too late? Bad shoulders over the, so what, what I say sort of at, at my mind at, at 60, you know, I'm, I'm in the gym, I'm turning 54 and I say I can do everything. And all the guys in the gym say the same thing. I was 58. I was in the best shape of my life. And then you turn 60 and I start seeing this in my own practice patients that I've known for 15 years. Once they turn 60, it really seems to be a drop-off point. So in my mind, I say, like, am I going to force some guy that's 60 years old to throw a barbell on his back? No. But if somebody's learned it when they were 55 and they can put a barbell on their back, I have a 68-year-old that's doing it. It's great. I have no problem with you doing a goblet squat, and I have 80 octogenarians over 80 years old doing it. I have one college professor who's 84, mm-hmm. and he's he's – the deadlift. I, I put training wheels on there, meaning a rack pull. So I put it just under his knees instead of on the floor. Mm-hmm. And he can easily do 115 pounds for five repetitions mm-hmm. with, with, with good form. And so I'm saying no. And, and you, you have to do it. And there has to be some, some there, there has to be a force. You talked about before what's too heavy and what, what's too light. And I, I don't know. I don't know what's too old. But there's there's a point at which there's a minimum effective volume mm-hmm. below which you didn't stress the body. And if you didn't stress the body, there's no reason for it to adapt. Yeah. Whether your adaptation is strength, whether your adaptation is hypertrophy or, or making a bigger muscle. And likewise, there's a ceiling to that, a maximum recoverable volume that if you go beyond that, you don't recover. You start to overtrain and, and you can have basically central nervous system effects. It almost feels like your uh, you have jet lag. Yeah. You don't sleep well at night. You're, you're eating. Uh, and Mark Ripito from his book said, you, you know, you, you don't get strong from lifting the weights. You get strong from recovering from lifting heavy weights. Yes. And what does it mean to recover? It means go home and get your seven or eight hours sleep. Get your 0.8 grams of protein per pound of body weight. That's the easiest thing to do. I I could easily break down muscle. I, I don't have to show you. Most people manage to do it on their own by, by overexerting themselves. But the recommended daily allowance is 0.4 grams per pound. It's, it's barely enough for your hair, eyes, and nails. It's not enough to build that muscle. Mm-hmm. 
And now studies are saying, well, do we think that that person's 80-year-old gut is going to be absorbing as many amino acids from, from said amount of, of protein as a 21-year-old gut? Mm -hmm. And the answer is no. So do they actually need more protein? Uh, I'm, not, I'm not at the point where I'm going to tell somebody to take over one gram per pound, uh, but they, they really need it. And I mm -hmm. found with my the over 80-year-olds, just by putting them on, increased protein, I can get rid of some canes. Mm -hmm. And I have them walk a little differently. I have them make sure that they bring their, their heel in front of their opposite toe so we really get the, the glutes engaged. You'll see a lot of people in pain start shuffling. Mm -hmm. They don't bring the, the, the heel on the right foot past the toes on the left foot. I like to teach them step-ups. Mm -hmm. And my lecture that I, I gave, I called it the Fountain of Youth, not because I think I'm going to keep you living longer, but I'm just going to keep you without using a cane or a walker, and you'll, you'll be able to lift and, and move around and, and function better. Yeah. What do you say, I, I do want to come back to the sleep and nutrition be, uh, piece of it, but when it comes to timing recovery uh, of your workouts, like, do you have general guidance that you give people in terms of uh, time off? throughout the week or how they should listen to their bodies? It's all, it's all based on, on that stress recover and adaptation curve by Hans Selye back in the thirties that this curve is going to change for for you throughout your, your strength training career. When you're a novice, you'll, you will disrupt homeostasis and damage the muscle in one session, but it will also recover within a day or two. Mm -hmm. Once you become an intermediate lifter, it will take maybe a whole week's worth of damage. And it will also take a week's worth of, of resting. So what I'm looking at is, say on Monday, we damage the muscle. On Tuesday, don't do it again. You're going to be weaker. And then by Wednesday, it's sort of back to baseline. So Thursday or Friday, we'll do it again. You're a little stronger, so you can lift one more repetition. You can lift five more pounds. But also, where I personally found this to be true is I'm really good at pressing motions, the, the small muscles of the chest and the shoulders, I do it well and I can recover. The larger muscles, the hamstring, the glutes, the squat and deadlift takes me much longer to recover. So on some movements, I'm an intermediate or almost advanced lifter and other movements, I'm, I'm novice to an intermediate mm -hmm. lifter. Mm -hmm. so you have to realize that not all movements are the same and all right, I, I waited a day or two. And that's the other thing. Again, I don't know what I mean by two days. I know what I mean, and I'll tell you. But when you say, do this and then wait two days before you do it again, two days means I did it on Monday. Wait Tuesday and Wednesday and do it on Thursday. Okay. Instead of saying two days is, is at 48 hours, so I can do it again on Wednesday. So damage the muscle. And initially, we're going to start you with full body, squat, press, and a deadlift. Mm -hmm. And over time, we're going to start to maybe cut back on not three compound movements, but two compound movements. When you're really more advanced, I might make it only one compound movement during the lift. Because as you're increasing the, the, the work or the intensity, is that why? Yes. It mm -hmm. takes a lot longer to recover from that. So I want more, more pain on, on there. Mm -hmm. This is going to, back to a question you asked earlier about people not doing the compound movements. A few patients, and they're, they're smarter than most on there, say like, all right, so this is what I have to do for the rest of my life. And the answer is two or three months, and then you can get away with maintenance. Maintenance is going in there once a week. So what, what the studies have, have kind of borne out and all in one way or the other said so the same thing is you want to be doing two to four sets performed two or three times a week. 
that will look something like two sets on Monday and two sets on Thursday. Mm -hmm. And if it doesn't destroy you, after a few weeks, I'm going to add a third set on Monday and leave two sets on Thursday and get a couple of more weeks to go by and we'll add that third set on Thursday. Mm -hmm. Once you start doing that fourth and fifth set, you really start building up into fatigue. So uh, is three sets better than two sets? Yes. Is four sets better than three sets? Probably. Is five sets better than four sets? Yes. But, you know, is 15 sets better than <laughs> five sets? No. There's a, there's a curve <laughs> yeah. that will start to go down. Right. So, right. you know, when you ask, there was one guy, he was in his 80s, and he, the gym closed for COVID, and he came back. And I go through the history and painful detail. Tell me what you do when you walk in a gym and how many reps and why. And I said, how many repetitions would you do? And he said, I don't know. I don't count. I just do it until I can't do it anymore. I was like, God bless this man. He actually knows. I mean, do you have to go to failure every time? And the answer is no. Mm -hmm. But you better be pretty close to failure. I like on the compound movements, two or three away from failure. Studies are saying you can go as far as five away from failure. You really don't want to fail on a squat or a heavy compound movement. But a tricep press, so you fail, you, you, you put it down on there. Mm -hmm. But I keep telling people that, that if I'm, I'm lifting with you and, and you do 10, you finish 10 reps, now I'm going to give you $5 for each rep you do over 10 and you get to 18. Did you truly stress that muscle? If the answer is no, is there any reason it will adapt? And the answer again is no. Mm -hmm. So if, if to, as a general rule to me, the compound movements, I'd like to keep you in that 5 to 8 range. That's kind of good strength and some hypertrophy. Mm -hmm. If you could do more than 8 repetitions on your compound movement, think about putting 5 or 10 more pounds in the bar and going back down to doing 5 reps. And then next time, 6, 7, 8, and you'll build up. And it might take you months to get those, those extra repetitions on there. Mm -hmm. With the isolation movements, the accessory movements, you want maybe between the 8 and 15 repetition range. If you could do more than 15, think about going up in weight. If you can't get to 8, think about going down in weight. Mm -hmm. So for people who just don't like lifting or resistance training for any reason, there is kind of hope on the horizon where maybe they're interested in in anything that's going to help strengthen the body, decrease pain, you know, uh, give them the fountain of youth. Yes. But if you tell them, you know what, it's really hard work at the beginning, but then in the maintenance program, it's twice a week. Does that yeah, sound right? Hope. Is that what yes. you're saying? Well, now, even once a week, is oh, once a maintaining week, yes. muscle gains are, are very easy. Mm -hmm. It's building up there. And yeah, I tell people it's, it's time and money. Mm-hmm. It's going to cost you two to three months and you're either working with a trainer one-on-one -on -one or you can go with a class on there. But, you know, again, my gym, and I think it's it's one that's closest to my house. I mean, I have the squat rack in my, my office. I have the, the coaches up at JDI, but mm -hmm. uh, the gym crunches near my home two blocks away. But it's close to you know, $100 a month, mm -hmm. which if, if you amortize that, that breaks it down to $24 a week, and if you go three times a week, it's $8 a session, mm -hmm. which most people can do. Yeah, and yeah. maybe pays in dividends and can decrease some downstream effects of not strength, strength training on your body. Yeah, the other thing, and I use this for my wife, is there was a study on personal trainers, and it said basically they're, they're very good in keeping people uh, 
to show up at the gym. Mm -hmm. And and the, the two most important things about strength training is one consistency. Basically, just show up. Mm -hmm. If you can get somebody to show up, that's that's more than half the battle. Two, don't get injured. So with the recovery, we'll move back to that. There's something on, uh, called a deload week where you'll just walk into the gym and you'll do the movements. Basically, think of it as just doing your warm-up and then leave. Mm -hmm. yeah, so I will do a deload week every four weeks. I'll work hard on week one, base week two on what I did on week one and preparing myself for week three. So it's hard, harder, hardest. And now I'll just take it easy. Maybe I'll try a different exercise movement or, or a lighter weight. Some people might have to take a deload week every three months. I just put it in every four to six weeks. I think uh, Mike Isertel wrote a book on strength, uh, more the hypertrophy training, and he likened it to running a restaurant with a kitchen where in the beginning of the week you have fresh fruits and vegetables and your, your kitchen's clean and there's pots and pans and everything's clean. You can produce a lot of good meals. And toward the end of the week, you start running out of your fruits and vegetables, the place gets dirty, and you have to take some time to clean it up and restock everything. Yep. Yeah, that's a great, great analogy. So I actually told my husband this recently. So he's entering his 40s, and I'm mid-30s. <laughs> so I, uh, but I, I told him, I feel like we have the opportunity to become the fittest we've ever been. And it was right on the heels of, we had a friend of ours who's 41 and did a one mile race and did it in five minute, 20 seconds, which is faster than this gentleman who loves running could do in high school. And I said, I think we have a real opportunity here because not only do we prioritize nutrition and sleep and, and, you know, stress reduction, certain lifestyle factors more than we ever have, certainly in our twenties, I think this might be our chance to become the fittest of our life. So do you feel like you've, that's your experience in working with people who are older and getting into this type of training that they really, that, that, that they feel like this is, this is fit. Like I actually feel fit. I'm not just doing this for my health. Yes. So this is, I'm going to, I don't know if I want to use last name, but Mike is, is one of the guys I train with and he was a, just a big cyclist and he started getting osteopenia. His wife is a physician at, at the hospital for special surgery and said, well, we should try more um, strength training, resistance training. And he got into it. Mike just turned 60 and now he's going to nationals and mm -hmm. powerlifting at 60. And he just started doing it a few years. I was very happy when he turned 60 because he went to the next age group and now uh, I could take first place in our <laughs> age group. <Yeah. laughs> I'll catch up to him. So... Yeah, he, he's full in there, and, and he says, yeah, he feels great. And, and I talked to him, I was like, well, why isn't everybody else you know doing this? And he's like, yeah, he doesn't, can't get them to do it. I know what his, his, his boss told him, that if he, if he breaks a 1,000 in, in uh, you know, the squat, press, and deadlift combined, that he'll, he'll throw a party for them. So now uh, we're going to, uh, uh, with all the bankers, we're going to a, a happy hour. And oh, this week that's it was great. Because of the smog over here. But there's their, they have their wellness, and they're, they're celebrating Mike's accomplishment. So, yes, you can definitely do it. Uh, we, we have to understand that between the ages of 50 and 70, we lose – and again, this number is just all over the place. And I like to say 20 to 30 percent of our muscle mass and strength. Mm -hmm. It is reversible to a point. Um, Dr. Fonterra and Electra said, you know, you don't see any buff 90-year-olds for a reason. But you can build muscle. Mm -hmm. It's not going to be slabs of beef on you. 
But I'm also saying that that doesn't happen on your 50th birthday. And I, I tell my patients, and it, to me, after seeing almost 20,000 patients, it's it's always that 41-year-old, plus or minus those two or three years on either side, that like, hey, this isn't clearing up. Mm-hmm. And when you look at the NFL, you're not seeing a lot of NFL players over their 40s for a reason. They mm-hmm. sort of get beat up and they, 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 they can't recover as quickly. Usain Bolt was, was a, a high-level uh, athlete in the Olympics, and I think at 29, he said, uh, no, his hamstring's not healing and, and he's retiring. But he could absolutely, yes, yeah, so he peaked at, at 29. But there, there are Olympic athletes into their 40s. They, uh, Torres was, was a swimmer uh, that, that they, they, they showed her in, in her 40s. But I, I do think you, you can do that. I know uh, personally from swimming, I started masters in, in, in my 40s, which is anybody over 24. But I just like to find new things to, to, to stress the body. If you're not going to stress the body, there's no, it, it's just going to kind of grow stale. So find powerlifting. I should go probably more to yoga sometimes, but it's just when people say like, no, I only do yoga. And even, yeah, I should think about, you know, CrossFit. Uh, weightlifting is a sport where you're, you're clean and snatch or clean and jerk and throwing the weight over your head. And, and that goes in there. If you, if you say anything derogatory about CrossFit, they, they, they go nuts on there. Do I think a 60-year-old should take up CrossFit? Probably not. And if you're 40, you probably should start thinking about in the next five years winding it down or not doing everything on there. Um, but that's where, where at least if somebody is a, does CrossFit, and I had a, a woman just today that does CrossFit, it's easier to get them to do powerlifting, just really to start that, that good, strong base mm-hmm. and move back in there. But it's you, that's the target. I'm looking for somebody who do I really want to work on? Somebody in their 50s mm-hmm. because their their window of opportunity in the next few years starts starts to close down on there. Mm-hmm. So you're easy. Your husband's also easy in his 40s as long as the mobility, that's, this is not an issue. Yes. But the, I think, just, I think yeah. building a foundation is important. Um, building a lifestyle around it, it's certainly a lifestyle choice. There's a lot of, of expertise not expectations. There's a lot of things on all of our to-do lists, I guess I should say. So much to do in life, like to build a life around trying to prioritize this can start early. Um, And what I'm hearing you saying is like, if you train smart and maybe adjust for things that your body needs as you get older, you can feel fit as opposed to just feeling like you're doing this to, to, you know, for some future aspiration to you know be able to lift something overhead sure that'll be a downstream result but right now you can feel like really strong and and fit yeah, what, what muscles not working when you lift it over your head but I also like I think of like future Neil and I don't want to piss that guy off <laughs> like I, I'm I'm very interested in personal finance because like save some money for me when I'm 75 years old and let's try to save some strength when I'm 75 years old, okay. I think uh, mm-hmm. Sullivan in his book called it a physiological um, retirement plan on there. But there's, yeah, there's, there's going to be, you're easy. I'll, I'll give you a leave. You'll give you a shot and the pain will go away. But the reason it was there is still there. And I'm saying, why shouldn't it come back? Mm-hmm. If you're a mechanical engineer, sure, this, this bridge can hold 2000 pounds and your, your car weighs 2,400 pounds. Can you drive it across a few times? Yes, but it's going to start to weaken, and after a while, it'll break. Mm-hmm. And that's where you have your injury. And remember, 
we were doing our rotation at, at Memorial Sloan Kettering, and somebody had a, a pathological fracture, and we say, well, that's because you've applied it. You can either get a fracture from applying an abnormal force to normal tissue. Falling down a flight of stairs makes it very easy. You say, all right, there's the, the inciting event, and it will, when that is heals, it'll go away, and it shouldn't come back. But what you see more and more is somebody coming in saying, nope, I was just running or, or living my life. So now what's happening is basically you're applying a normal force to what's becoming abnormal tissue. Mm -hmm. And we can reverse that. Yeah. Yeah. So to wrap up, our podcast theme question is uh, how do you take care of your brain and body? You've, I feel like we've talked a lot about, you know, what you do, but I just want you to give you an opportunity to add anything here to sort of summarize or kind of what are like some key take-home points because you certainly live by example like what you're telling your patients to do you're doing too which I think is amazing not something that in history doctors have always done but yeah you have the floor anything you want to say to wrap it up so it's people come in and they always talk about like I want to lose weight I don't think people really it's not losing weight you want to lose fat if you weigh 160 pounds and now you gain weight to 162 pounds but your pants fit better and you're, maybe your clothes are your, – your muscles are stronger, I think that's a, that's a benefit. So know what you want. I like – for brain, I was thinking about this. The, the only supplements I take, I take whey isolate protein and I take a, little, a small scoop of creatine mm -hmm. and, and that's one of the best studied – um, supplements out there and it does have to do more with brain function. Anything that requires high energy it seems to be good for. Mm -hmm. uh, I like to, now that the the beaches are open, I, I go in the water and it, it's 62 degrees and it's not very pleasant, but I really like to get that stress on the body to go in there and just swim back and forth for 20 minutes as the summer goes on and the water warms up and, and to 70 I can stay in there mm -hmm. and, and just keep pushing myself on, on there. I do like the bike. I mean, biking is exercise. There's no eccentric contraction to damage the muscle, so there's no reason really for it to adapt. But as far as cardiovascular, and yeah, yeah, I have friends, and sure, you can squat over 300 pounds without a problem, but I can still beat you on the bike. And yeah, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm five foot six, 172 pounds. I'm, <laughs> I, you know, this guy's six foot two with really long legs and can power through it. Uh -huh. But yeah, I don't think there's anything I really, I don't think about moving suitcases or picking anything up maybe when, when I'm 60 as as everybody in the gym has told me I'll 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 have a problem but now I think I could still you know run faster than my 21 year old son yeah he's gonna beat me in a in martial arts or something but I could still outlift him and and I can still go into the the gym and I used to take these little plates, those one pound plates and put them on there and some people would comment, but at least I knew I was doing more than I did last week uh -huh. and I'm doing more than every week. Now I kind of, I'm not really that, that specific about half pound and one pound increments, whatever I can do, I, I can do and I can move on there. But so I'll definitely do strength training. I'll try to do some more cardio, but my, my blood pressure is great. Everything is down there. My heart rate, even though I don't get on the elliptical trainer for 40 minutes at a time. I do like uh, the prowler sled, pushing that back and forth. Mm -hmm. I like the high-intensity interval training that I'll go on the assault bike, that big fan with yep. those arms mm -hmm. on there. Mm -hmm. And you'll do it for 40 seconds or a minute and then go all out for 20 seconds 
so you couldn't have a conversation. Mm -hmm. And as long as you have two or three minutes on there, and then I'll move over to the um, the concept two rowing machine and try to get get a couple of minutes on there, mm -hmm. just just to mix it up on there. I like the where you jump up on a step. That's more of the explosive, mm -hmm. and yeah, that's biometrics. I think yeah, older people really. I, I still haven't gotten enough uh, guts to have somebody jump up. I think they're going to trip on there. But that would be the best if somebody's going to fall. That would be the best way to to get that power in there. So just doing the, the squats where you go from a full squat to, to a jump up position. There was this awful what is the Evergreen study years ago said like if you put somebody on the ground they can't stand up and it bodes very poorly for their their survival yeah. the five year or one year survival rate on there so yeah just keep changing changing up what you're doing uh, and seek help get a coach mm -hmm. work with somebody in gym when you go in there and they they go through what what your goal is I mean even if you're 75 years old you should be able to say my goal is to be a power lifter. And if you look on, on YouTube, there are elderly power lifters in their 70s and they took it up. And they're, they're usually human interest stories um, because anybody that shows up over 60 to most powerlifting meets will walk out with a with a trophy. Mm -hmm. But everybody says the same thing and you can see on, on the YouTube starting strength where they have, they're like, yeah, I could pick up my grandson and I could walk upstairs without canes and, and they can do all of that. And and I just don't know how it's it's not sold so much on there, and I'd like to create in the in the hospital setting. I'd like to put you know, two squat racks, which really they only need about six by eight feet each, and you could have a, a therapist working with three or four people at the same time, and we can we could run these these clinics over a few weeks, um, in in community centers. We we can try to do this if if there's no resources around if you're living in certain areas, but people if you, if you search it out it, it's out there yeah decrease decrease fear around this type of movement and then also increase access i think would be very important i think some of the easiest things somebody can do like right now was is just go out and, and just measure figure out how much protein you're getting are you getting enough protein mm -hmm. that's something you could do right now mm -hmm. when you walk make sure you take a longer stride to engage your glutes and sort of ask yourself what muscles do i feel this in Sometimes when somebody's standing up out of a chair, instead of keeping their legs close together, which will, which will bias their quadricep muscles, I'll have them push their legs a little bit apart and lean forward so their chest pointing at the ground and to drive up from their glute to get their, their posterior chain muscles working. Mm -hmm. So there are, there are things that, that people can do. Personally, I'll, I'll take the stairs over the elevator. I'll try to walk at a faster clip. So just starting with that and, and finding out what you know and you don't know Whereas I might believe that I know more about powerlifting than you do. I don't believe that I know everything you know about powerlifting. Mm -hmm. So you know, talk to different people, use different resources. I, I really would hope that some doctors, and this is what I'm, I gave a lecture recently with the, the Cornell Columbia group up, up there. So hopefully doctors can be a little bit more of a, a resource mm -hmm. to tell them like, all right, go get, go get uh, 40 minutes of exercise three days a week. Well, what, what kind of exercise? It's like any other drug we're going to write for. And, and, and I know Joel Press talked about, mm -hmm. you know, exercise is medicine. And there's also uh, Dr. Whitson at NYU has the, the AAPMNR has the exercise as medicine interest group. Mm -hmm. um, mm -hmm. uh, but just kind of like move around and, and, and get to doing something. But we have the prescription 
I'm not just saying go home and take whatever's in your medicine cabinet. I'm telling you to take the naproxen and take the, this this dose. I'm telling you do this squat this way. Mm -hmm. When you look, this, is your hip crease going below your knee? Are you doing it correctly? How often are you doing it? Mm -hmm. So we, we can learn to write a better prescription for our patients. Yeah, yeah, beyond the rehab prescription, going into um, the exercise prescription, I think is really important. The thought of prehab. Yeah, people come in, and I'll see them in three or four weeks, and they feel better. But I'm saying, well, now I'd like to start with, with the strength training and, and get you back in, into the gym so you're doing that. So I'll, I'll ask them to come in a few extra sessions. Nobody's coming in like more than 12 times. Maybe they come in once or twice a week for the first week or two, and then once a week for another two weeks. And then we just need two or three sessions to really go over as they kind of segue back into the gym. So it's really not that long or expensive. Um, most people that have deductibles might not want to go for therapy three times a week for 12 weeks. So we really try to get them to, to get this done in, in, the, in the first, like I said, really six to eight weeks is, is, is what I need. But I try to get a few sessions on there. So even if you read a book, some I think there's a lot of good content out there on YouTube, i got to say. Mm -hmm. and, and podcasts like this are, are, are good areas for it. I mean, I wouldn't just look at the first YouTube video and, and see some, some bodybuilder that, that may or may not be on on other medications, uh, telling you what, what, what you should do on there. But if you look at that two or three, you'll see that two are exactly saying the same information and the other one's a little bit outside of that curve. Um, but uh, it's, it's better to have, especially as we get older, over 50, to have somebody watching you uh, do it correctly. I'd rather if somebody hasn't had experience, let's learn the right way so I don't have to retrain you. Yeah, yeah. Well, I love it. Thank you so much for coming on the podcast and sharing this this passion of yours and, and educating the audience. I, I really appreciate your time. Thank, thank you so much. It was a lot of fun. Thank you for tuning into this podcast about all things brain and body. Please rate, subscribe, and review on whatever platform you prefer to tune into your podcast. Also, feel free to share this podcast on any platform. This podcast is for general information and educational purposes only. The information provided in this podcast is meant to better help you understand your health, but does not serve as a replacement for medical services or care. No doctor-patient relationship is formed. The content of this podcast does not constitute the practice of medicine, including the giving of medical advice. Curious about more brain and body things? Find me on Instagram, TikTok, or Twitter at Dr. Natasha Mehta and let me know what you'd like to hear about.